Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. So I'm going to wrap up uh, the series we've been doing here through the month of uh, May that we've called Filled, where we've been talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. And today I've entitled the message Deeper. Because what I'm, what I'm going to be saying to you is that I really believe that God wants every, no matter where you're at in your relationship with God, you can go deeper. Amen. No matter where you're at, you can have more. You can experience, you know why I know that? It's because God is infinite. Amen. The Lord is infinite, and so you never exhaust his resources. He is able to pour into your life everything you want. In fact, I will tell you this. You are today spiritually where you want to be. You are where you want to be. Because God is ready to pour into you, if you're hungry, everything that you want. Everything that you need. He is ready to give to your life. Now, the first thing I want to remind you of is what we've talked about. Is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Some people refer to him as an it. They say the Holy Spirit, it, uh, is a gift from God or something. He is a person. And as with any person, you can know the Holy Spirit a little or you can know him deeply. You can have a surface relationship with him or you can have a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, we all know people in our lives, have people in our lives that we kind of keep at arm's length, and there are some people that you want to keep at arm's length. You may love them in the Lord, but you just know that because of how they are, that you need to keep them at a little bit arm's length. But it is sad when we take that approach with the Holy Spirit and we kind of keep him at arm's length. Some Christians, I have noticed through the years, they kind of draw a line in the sand as far as the relationship with God comes or goes, and, and they, they want enough of the Holy Spirit in their life to be saved, they just don't want to get fanatical about it. You know what the definition of a fanatic is? A person who's just a little more committed than you are. In your mind, they're a fanatic. That's not true, though. But we, oftentimes, we, we say, well, I want enough of the Holy Spirit in my life to know that I'm saved, but I don't want to get into this gift stuff. I don't, I don't want to get into this tongue stuff. I don't want to get into this talk about the baptism. You know, I'll let other people do that. That's just not for me. But you cannot have too much of God or the work of the Holy Spirit within your life. And that is the point of my message today. You need to hunger, I encourage you to develop a hunger to grow deeper in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And really, this hunger is going to last for a lifetime. Because as I said earlier, you'll never exhaust all that God can do in your life and all that he wants to do in your life. I will tell you 
I shared this with you last week. I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit when I was five years of age, but I have grown way beyond what happened to me when I was five years old. That's because God keeps filling and filling and filling us as his people. So with that in mind, I want to share just a couple of last thoughts with you about going deeper and what that can mean to your life as you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. The first thing I want to share with you is simply this. The Holy Spirit wants to be your friend. He wants to be your friend. And if that is true, that means you don't have to be afraid of him. A friend is someone you don't have to be afraid of. An acquaintance, you might be afraid of them. You might get acquainted enough with someone to say, ah, I have to be careful about that individual. But a friend, you never have to be afraid of. And you can welcome that friend to be close to your heart and close to your life. The book of Proverbs chapter 18 verse 24 says that a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And I have found that to be true. That somebody who is a friend, now your brother may be your friend. A literal brother could be your friend. But a friend is someone, you know, you can't pick your relatives, but you can pick your friends. And that's what that's saying. When you have picked a friend who is bonded to you, they can be closer to you than a, than a blood relative. Now, I have a brother, probably many of you do as well. My brother is 10 years younger than I am and was born when my mother was in her early 40s. I tell him he was an oops. And I'm very free to share that with him. I think he needs to know that. You were not uh, planned for, Greg. You're an oops all the way around, you know, and I just want you to know that, you know. But as I've told you many times, what might be a surprise to your mom and dad is no surprise to God, and God plans for you. But I love my brother, and, and, but because we are 10 years apart, we didn't grow up very close to one another. I mean, he was a, an annoyance to me when we were younger, and that was about the best it got to be. But when we became adults, when we matured, Guess what? He has become a very close friend to me. We call each other. We talk to each other. Our church goes down and helps his ministry in Tucson, Arizona every year. And I love getting together with my brother and sister-in-law. Wonderful, wonderful Christian people. And I will say today, he is one of the best friends I have. If I have a a decision or something that I'm, I'm needing help deciding on, I will call him and say, Greg, here's what I'm thinking. Will you pray with me about it? When I had a, when I had a, a difficult physical diagnosis a number of years ago, I immediately got on the phone to my brother and said, I need you to pray with me about it. He went to prayer immediately for God's help and God's strength in my body and in my life, and I'm thankful for that. Today, I would tell you he's one of the closest friends I've ever had. In fact, I would tell you that there's probably nobody on earth other than my wife that I honor more highly than my brother. And I think it should be that way in our relationship with God, our relationship through the Holy Spirit. As we grow, as we mature in our Christian faith, We should be growing closer and more open to the Holy Spirit working within our lives. Let me just say this. If you are still 
spiritually where you were 10 years ago, you are missing out on a whole life of blessing that God wants to give to your life. You need to go after this and say, God, I am not content to live out the rest of my Christian life like I've been living over the last 10 years. I want more of you. I want a deeper walk with you. I want you to open my heart to the scriptures. I want you to fill me with the love of God. I want to know the power of God flowing through me. I want to have the touch of God upon my life. But if you draw the line in the sand spiritually... And you keep the Holy Spirit at arm's length, you'll never know him as the friend that he can be. The one who sticks closer than a brother in your life. Maybe some of you were raised to keep your distance from the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of, teacher, a lot of churches that teach that today. They teach you to keep the Holy Spirit at a distance. And they keep their people from experiencing one of the great blessings of the Christian life. Having God as a friend. My opinion is that if you keep the Holy Spirit at a distance in your life, it becomes very easy for your Christian life to become a religious routine. What's the difference between religious routine and a dynamic relationship is the Holy Spirit. It's not just knowing the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit enlightening that word to your heart. God didn't save you to make you religious. He saved you to renew a lost friendship with you. And that's what Jesus died to give you is a lost friendship. That's what he wants to be to you, you, your friend. But you ultimately make the decision on how far that friendship will grow. Because the Spirit will not force himself on you. You must want him. There's a truth that's tucked away in Revelation 3.20. Many of us know this because uh, this is a scripture I memorized years ago because I use it in witnessing to people. It simply says, of course, I know it in the King James, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and will open up unto me, I will uh, hear and I will, I will come in unto him and sup with him and be his friend and he with me. And the NIV says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. But what I want you to see from that verse is that God is standing, the Holy Spirit is standing and knocking at your heart's door. He's knocking. But he is not going to kick the door in. We have got to open if anyone hears and opens You've got to open the door, not just for salvation, but for the continuing work of the Holy Spirit within your life. You've got to be hungry for that in your life. Now, I want you to know a thief, a criminal, a murderer will kick the door in, but not the Holy Spirit. If you want to go deeper with him, you have got to open the door and be willing to allow him entrance into your life. When we keep the Holy Spirit at arm's length, we set ourselves up for spiritual failure because the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the ability to overcome. I've seen it through the years. Many believers live in a perpetual spiritual weakness because they haven't learned the need of a close relationship with God. The Word of God is powerful. 
But you can, have memori- you can memorize the scriptures over and over and over again. If you don't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon that word, it will not bring the power to you that is needed. You can't just have uh, a knowledge of truth. Jesus himself said to the Pharisees that you people think that you have eternal life because you know the scriptures. But eternal life comes through the power of God. Not just in knowledge. So there are going to be thousands and perhaps millions of people who probably will stand before God someday who have certain scriptures memorized, but they don't have a dynamic relationship with God, and therefore they aren't truly transformed people. What God is looking to do in your life is not just give you his word, but give you the power of the spirit upon that word to transform your life. I want you to know, that believers can live in perpetual defeat if they haven't learned their need of a close relationship with God. And oftentimes, these people rely on just human wisdom just like they did before they were saved. It's no different. They're relying just on human wisdom, and that will not guarantee your success. And I want you to know that churches can be like that too. Just relying on human wisdom. Sometimes they treat the work of God like a corporation. But God's work is not built on human power. It's not built on human wisdom. God's church is not a corporation. It's a body of believers who are dynamically alive in the Holy Spirit and have committed themselves to the life of the Spirit. And that's where the power and the victory come from. So during this time that Bill was talking about a pastoral transition here at Life Church, it is imperative that we seek the direction of the Holy Spirit. The selection of your next pastor cannot be based on personal preferences, but on the leading of God's Spirit. If the church fails to do that, it'll have great failure in the future. But if the church fasts, and prays and seeks the Spirit's leading as to who the next pastor should be, great victories await. And let me encourage you to make the Holy Spirit your friend as you seek God's will for this church. Hallelujah. This can be a time of great growth spiritually in the hearts of God's people here at Life Church. So friendship with the Holy Spirit brings God's point of view into our churches, into our businesses, into our, our romantic relationships, in, into the decisions that we need to make with our lives. The truth is you cannot approach life only in human wisdom. You've got to have the wisdom of God to please him. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 10, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So when Paul talks here about war... He's not talking about literal war. This is Memorial Weekend, and we honor our fallen soldiers, the thousands and millions of men through the years and women who have died for, in service of this country so we can worship God and freedom today. And we honor. That's what Memorial Weekend is about, is about fallen soldiers who have given their lives and we honor them but when Paul is talking about war here he's not talking about a literal war he's talking about the daily struggles that we all face against the enemy 
and against the, the working of demon powers and against just life struggles like financial issues or things in our families with our kids and our marriages and our careers or our physical health and all of those things. How about temptation? Anybody out there? You don't have to raise your hand. Ever deal with temptation in your life? We all face, you've got to have victory over that. That only comes one way. We need divine wisdom. We need divine guidance to get through the confusion of the world today and find God's answers and his direction. And that's what friendship with the Holy Spirit will bring. Why would you want to keep the Holy Spirit at arm's length when all he wants to do is help you? When all he wants to be is your friend and guide you and strengthen you and keep you safe. Jesus said, John 10.10, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it to the full. They might have it to the full. The Greek word that we translate full in this verse means beyond measure, exceeding abundantly, superior, excessive. But some believers, this is what I've learned. Go back to that verse. Can you go back to that verse? They, they want to cut their relationship with, off with God at the first word life. I have come that they might have life. And, and a lot of believers are content to, to have just life. That is salvation. That's the salvation part of this verse. And they cut their lives off at salvation. They're content to just be saved, but they're missing out on the rest of God's blessing and fullness in their lives. So what this verse is really saying is you can have life or you can have abundant life. You can have life or you can have it beyond measure. You can have life or you can have superior life. You can have life or you can have excessive life. And what I have learned is the difference between life and life to the full is the, uh, is the Holy Spirit working in your life. If you will allow the Spirit to be your closest friend, you will find a contentment and a success in your faith and victory over daily struggles that you never knew before. I love how the Message Bible puts this verse. It says you can have more and better life than you ever dreamed of. Hallelujah. I'm up for that. How about you? You up for that in your life? That's what God's offering to you through the Holy Spirit. Second thing I want to say about the Holy Spirit is that he wants to be your helper. Now in John chapter 14, Jesus is getting his disciples ready for the time when he's no longer going to be with them. And he wanted them to know that even though he was going to leave, in the world, leave the world, he was not going to leave them alone. He was not going to leave them powerless. And he told them in verses 16 and 17, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now you're going to notice a couple of things from these two verses. Number one, Jesus was asking the Father to send someone called the helper, or as it said here, another helper, another helper. And a few weeks ago, you probably don't remember this, but I shared with you that the word another means one of the same kind. So Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is going to be of the same kind as him, except Jesus was in a physical body which, which confined him to a time and space, the Holy Spirit would be a, 
unlimited and would be able to be with everyone throughout the world who bears the name of Christ. And so Jesus was saying this other comforter is actually going to be superior in the sense that he's not going to be bound just, well, like Jesus is over there or Jesus is over there. No, the Spirit's going to be everywhere with God's people as they reach out to him. What a a powerful truth that is, because we have to know that Jesus isn't downtown, that Jesus isn't uh, off in South America somewhere. Uh, The spirit of Jesus is right here with us when we walk out of this building. Hallelujah. The spirit of God is going with us when we go down the street, when we go to work tomorrow, and when we enter life's challenges. But many believers treat him like he's some mysterious force or something. They don't want to get too close. That's kind of weird. But Jesus says the Father's going to send the Spirit as a helper. Not someone to hurt you. Not someone to embarrass you. Not someone to make you do what you don't want to do. I've known Christians who thought if they surrendered their lives fully to the Holy Spirit, that he'd make them do something that they didn't want to do. Well, if I give my life completely over to the Holy Spirit, man, he's going to make me go to Africa or something, you know. I don't want to go to Africa, you know. But that's just not true. In fact, Jesus called him not only another helper, but it's the second thing I want to share with you. Jesus called him the spirit of truth. Truth. God doesn't deal in the mystical or the weird He's a God of truth. He's upfront with it. He doesn't do bait and switch. He, he isn't one thing to lure you in and then different once he catches you. No, he's truth. He's right up front. This is who he is. He doesn't deal in the mystical and the weird. He deals with truth. He's your helper. Always. That's all he wants to do. And that's the truth. Isn't that wonderful? He just wants to help you. That's his goal. So what do you do or what do you need help with? What do you need help with? Do you need help with guidance for a decision that you have to make? He wants to be your helper. Do you need Provision. God wants to help provide for your family. Do you need a physical healing? He wants to be the expression of healing in your physical body. Do you need help with a decision at work? Do you accept the promotion and the implications of that, or do you decline it? God, I've got to know your will. Do you need God's healing in your spirit because you're rocked by depression or fear? Or anxiety. You know, I've been honest with you that 10 years ago this year, I was rocked with depression. Excuse me, that's 20 years ago. Good night. Time flies. (laughs) 20 years ago, I was rocked by depression. And I struggled so much. I'm here to tell you that God can give you victory over your depression and your anxiety and your fear. Do you need help overcoming an addiction or some temptation? How about some issue with your marriage? Do you need help here? I I will tell you 
that the Holy Spirit will help you. He has come through for me so many times in my life, way too many. But I want to share just one example of a time. Ten years ago, now this is accurate, ten years ago, I was, I was put in a position of having to lead an, an annual meeting of Assemblies of God pastors that we have in our Rocky Mountain districts for the states of Colorado and Utah because I was what was called at that time the assistant district superintendent. Now, there are three executive officers, not that you want to know all this, but just to help you understand. The superintendent is, is the main guy. He's the leader of the district. The assistant superintendent works along beside him, and then the secretary treasurer is the third executive officer. Number one and number three are full-time, and they serve in an office in Colorado Springs. Number two is a pastor. And so even though I was elected into this position, I was able to stay on as pastor of this church and, and not have to leave that and, and, and go do a, a, a full-time position somewhere else. And so uh, the, the superintendent himself had, had submitted his resignation as our superintendent because he was moving into the national office in Missouri. And so he had resigned. So the job of leading the district was now mine over the course of the next number of months until the new superintendent was secured. And that meant I had to lead this, nat- this district gathering of pastors, some 500 pastors that gathered together. I had the job of leading them in three days of meetings. And I will tell you that even though I'm a big mouth here at this church, when it gets into the district level... I'm fairly quiet. I I will tell you, and this is true, I can count on one hand the number of times that I have publicly gotten up at a district business meeting and have said anything. I have found that I never learned anything listening to myself. I learned mostly listening to other people. And so anyway, I, I had not spoken a lot on the council floor. And when the job was coming to me uh, for that brief time, I said, oh God, I've got to have your help with this. I'm not a parliamentarian, and we don't, we're not real heavy at that here at our church, but in those district meetings, the national meetings, it is very strict parliamentary procedure, and I had to learn all of that and make sure I did it properly because there'd be people out there that let me know if I didn't do it right, you know. That's right. And so anyway, I was just praying and crying out to God, and I will tell you what happened, and this is literally what happened. I felt... The power of the Holy Spirit come upon me. I felt an anointing from God come upon my life. And as I proceeded to give direction to that council, I felt the the unction, what the Bible calls the unction of God's Spirit, moving me, giving me clarity of thought, understanding of how I needed to handle that situation. And get this, this is true. When the new superintendent was elected, Brother Don Steiger, who's been here many times, when he was elected in, 20, uh, in 2008, I literally felt that anointing lift off of me and descend upon him. And, I mean, it was the most obvious encounter with God and the anointing changing over to another person that I had ever experienced in my life. 
I will tell you, when I came to this church, I felt the anointing of God come upon me for this church. What's going to happen is that when the next man comes, the anointing for me to be pastor of this church is going to lift off of me and it's going to settle down upon uh, God's man for, as the leader and the director of this church. And that is going to be exactly what you want to have happen. God gave me insight. He's going to give him insight. And that's just one example of how the Spirit comes and helps us to aid us in our time of weakness to know what decision to make, to know what to say, to know which direction to go. I The power of the Spirit will help you to achieve things you never thought you would ever be able to do in your life. And it doesn't matter what your age is. If you're still breathing, God's got a work for you to do. This is what Jesus said the Helper would do for us in John 14, 26, 27. The Helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I've said to you, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not, the wor- not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So what does he, says he say he's going to do? He's going to teach us. He's going to bring to remembrance things that are important for the moment. Word, the word of God is flowing into our heart That word will become more than a Logos word. It will become a Rhema word, which is a direct word from the Spirit to your heart, and you'll begin to function in a new power and a new anointing. And then he says, I'm going to give peace to you. From all of this is going to come a peace. Now, as I have observed Americans, I think the number one thing that America needs is peace. They're going in the wrong direction to get it, and so it's causing more anxiety. Here, pop another pill. Pop another pill. That'll fix it. No, it won't. The only thing that's going to fix it is the presence of God over this country. The only thing that will fix your anxiety that will bring peace to you will be the Holy Spirit. What you need... see. And so here's what I'm saying. Some of you feel like what you really, oh, I've got to have peace. But what you really need is the Holy Spirit. He is the author of this peace. That's why Jesus put those verses right there together. This helper is going to bring guidance. This helper is going to teach you. And this helper is going to bring peace from heaven to your life. So if you're facing some uncertain situations in your life right now, and who isn't? People have asked me, well, what are you and Carrie going to do when you retire? I said, well, the first three months I'm going to sleep. <laughs> but we're, God's not done with us. We're just not going to carry the heavy weight any longer. It's time for us to give that to a new voice to a new heart to a new individual but we're scared well I was going to say scared to death that's kind of a negative way of saying it isn't it we, we're not scared to death we're, we're just we're uncertain we for the first time in our lives we've been given enough light to take the next step 
but nothing beyond that. And we're not used to that because we've, throughout the years, kind of seen down the road a little ways. And God isn't showing us that. I keep waiting for Carrie to tell me what it is <laughs> because that's usually the way it goes. But um, is this God's will? Is this, is this what we're supposed to do? I always look to her and is this God's will? Um, not really. But all we have is peace and light for the next step. But we know when we take that step, there may only be light for the next step. Or it may open up further. I don't know what God's going to do. It's just you do what you know is right and peace will come upon you. And then you trust him for the next step. And the next step beyond that. And God will lead you. And what a life of peace. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.